0: Hello and welcome back to Accommodation Matters. I'm Darren Ellis, Higher Education Engagement Director at Unite Students, and today, in the first of two episodes on this topic, we're thinking about preparations for September. In this particular episode, we'll be focusing on the incoming student cohort, their needs and concerns, and how we as a sector can respond to those and ensure a successful transition to university. Our first guest, is Adrian Clark from the University of London. Adrian, can I please ask you to introduce yourself?
1: Hi Darren, thanks. Yes, I'm uh, Adrian. I'm a, uh, a medical doctor and the student health and wellbeing manager uh, at the University of London, as uh, as well as being the warden of a student hall of
2: residence.
0: Thank you, Adrian. Next up, we have Wayne Templeman from St Bonaventure School.
2: Hi there, I'm Wayne Templeman. Um, I'm head of sixth form um, in an East London sixth form. Um, and I want to say thank you very much for inviting me back. A friend
0: of the podcast, I think is what they say. (laughs) Welcome back. Thank you. We're also joined by Sunday Blake from the University of Exeter Students Guild. Welcome, Sunday.
3: Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here.
0: And last but certainly not least, Simon Jones from Unite Students.
4: Yeah, hi, uh, Simon Jones. I'm Business Development Director at Unite Students. Um, I work in the Strategy Office, but also have had um, a number of uh, senior operational roles uh, at Unite
0: Students. Welcome. So thank you so much for joining me. It's uh, It really is great to bring you all together. In September, a new cohort of students will head to university for the first time, but with very different experiences to those who have come before them as a result of the pandemic. Wayne, as a director of sixth form, you've been working firsthand with these students. Can I just ask, how have they responded to the challenges of the last year and what impact has, uh, has it had on them?
2: The effects of this have been polarised mainly. The majority of students have struggled um, with, with everything in some way, shape or form, you know, adapting to the, the, the long periods at home, you know, missing the sort of social contact, that kind of things. And then um, I have to be honest that a, a small number have, have really loved it and, and have coped well with the, the remote learning um, and, and the sense of uh, being able to kind of manage their own time a bit better and being a bit more flexible. And as we know, teenagers, uh, you know, in, in general, like to sort of wake up a bit later and a normal school day is um, a bit of a shock sometimes. So the effects have been very, very polarised, really. Um there obviously has been uh, the, the challenge of, of where we are in particular. We've had to do a, a lot in terms of supporting students with bereavement counselling and things like that. And, and in general, I think that there's just been a, a sense of anxiety. Um, you know, they're at a formative stage in their lives and going to, to university, you know, some are, some are apprehensive about what they're going to get, what they, they're going to expect with regard to that, really.
0: As human beings, most of us don't like uncertainty. It does create anxiety. What do you think universities and accommodation providers can do to kind of
2: reduce this? Um, I I think, uh, you know, I've been very, very impressed, actually, this year. I think me as a practitioner uh, um, and my colleagues, uh, we've been challenged in the respect that we've we've reached out more to universities and we've been really pleasantly surprised actually with what we what we've had back you know there's been a lot of support for students um with regard to you know learning needs and just uh, you know even sort of personal circumstances and i've been i've been very very impressed with how caring uh, the sector's been actually but and and it's left me kind of thinking well why didn't i do that before on the whole i've had my eyes open to just how how much universities can do for students in terms of that transition and and getting to know students before they actually arrive having a more uh, you know a better relationship with with their applicants and and i think this year universities have, have upped their game in that respect
0: lovely and i are you seeing greater parental engagement and and if so do you think you know that would continue or potentially indeed increase when their children go to university
2: Certainly, you know, that, that transition process, I think that students have been more active in that and whether that's been driven by parents, um, I would like to say it probably has really. So I, I think there's just been a greater interest taken rather than just leaving it to the students. And I think that's probably come about from just having having their children at home um, and and feeling like they've got more of a responsibility when students go off to school or work every day. There perhaps isn't that 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 need necessarily. And again, people are working more flexible hours. So perhaps there's more time to do this sort of thing.
0: Mm, yeah, um, I'm wondering, um, Sunday. How similar are the attitudes and concerns Wayne has just referenced to those of the current first-year students? Do you think we're going to see more of the same this year, or something different?
3: Um, yeah, I think it's really difficult to predict, really, because we, at the moment, there's a sort of attitude in the sector that the students that are coming in this year um, will have a sort of maturity deficit. So there's this idea that people who've been in lockdown with their parents since the age of sort of 16 to 18 won't have had the life experiences that shape you or or sort of lead to you know you becoming more mature i, I think that there isn't any evidence for that actually and and i would argue that you know these students these pupils have actually lived through a global pandemic and have taken you know incredible responsible steps to protect other people often against a virus that wouldn't impact them themselves that much so you know there is this attitude that um, young people are coming to university and and we might be getting bad behavior we might be seeing them coming out of lockdown coming out of their parents houses and um, maybe going a bit wild but i do think we need to give credit where credit's due i've seen so many news stories of um you know six formers delivering food and medicine to people isolated in their communities and um, that sort of thing in terms of parent involvement i have to say that i was also in office last year i never heard from a student parent i it was just not on my radar i get emailed i would say by parents three four times a week now and that is not normal <laughs> But what I think that that demonstrates is that there is a real level of anxiety in parents. So I do feel particularly um, sympathetic to both parents and students. I think that um, the fact that, you know, we're still waiting on 17 year olds to be able to get the vaccine. September is fast approach in us especially when we need to leave eight weeks between the two doses. I think that you know there is a reason for um, parents to be anxious about this coming year in the same way that parents were anxious about the year that we've just had.
0: Just to come in on your your very first point about student behaviour you know we're a home typically to 75,000 students and I couldn't agree more The the overwhelming behaviour that we have seen uh, has been positive. Uh, mm-hmm. They've just got on with their studies and got on with living with us. I totally agree with that. I just, I just wanted to just come back to your point about uh, parents. Can I just uh, ask you, what is the sort of nature of the queries that you're getting from parents at the minute?
3: So I think um, the sort of, you know, the international nature of a student campus cannot be underestimated here. You know, we have students um, flying in from all different countries. So we do have that sort of anxiety around global migration and obviously the impacts of the virus transmission in that, especially when you have variants sort of popping up. So we've had quite a lot of anxiety around that. We've had quite a lot of anxiety around mental health as well. I think that it can be very difficult to let your child go to university in a normal year, let alone in a year where you think that, you know, they might be a bit more isolated. Another thing that we've seen come up quite a lot is a sort of exasperation of um, housemate. Conflicts when you're locked down and you're trying to study, um, your housemate is trying to maybe socialise in in you know the small moments that they can. It does create more conflict. And then obviously, there is the financial aspect as well. And it was um, inconsistent throughout different providers. So some providers were very generous, very responsible and did sort of partial refunds. Other providers didn't. Um, I do think that a lot of that dissatisfaction has come from the fact there has been very little um, financial aid from the government to the higher education sector in general, Um, But specifically to student accommodation, um, you know, the impact and the inconsistency and the sense of injustice that both students and their parents feel towards this is really prevalent. I think I answered about four questions in one there, but (laughs) (laughs) there you go.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much for the comprehensive reply. Thank you. And that's a kind of perfect segue, really, uh, Simon, to to come to you, because I know that uh, Unite students have recently undertaken a survey of current applicants. Could you tell us a little bit more about that, please?
4: Yeah, thanks, Darren. Um, yeah, we've um, we've just recently um, completed a, a survey of one thousand and six um, applicants, um, and we've compared the results against the a similar survey we undertook in twenty seventeen. Some of the themes that that are emerging, and they've been touched on by some of the comments already, but. Connection, community and contact um, is, is, is definitely one group. Um, students want to belong. Uh, 92% of the respondents wanted to achieve a sense of belonging at university um, and the majority of, of the respondents are anxious about fitting in. 73% of the respondents wanted to make connections with their flatmates pre-arrival and that's up from 55% in the 2017 survey. So it's so a really significant this sense of Connecting um, and and building and forming the community. There's, there's a few there's a few lesses. So less ready, less socially confident. A sense of feeling less ready and less well informed about going to university. Um, perhaps a bit more apprehension. They feel less socially confident. Less prepared to actually make friends, um, and again, it goes back to the point of this drive for for pre arrival contact with flatmates, hoping to find those connections, find those um, those friends, uh, and and then I guess there's there's a counter to the to the lesses there, but they do feel less stressed. Than the 2017 cohort, their sense of optimism and their level of loneliness is around about the same as 2017. Um, the other thing that's noticeable in in the um, information so far is there's a, a change in mental health and well-being. Um, so overall, the the rate of mental health conditions has increased, um, and particularly around social and communication impairment, so ADHD, um, autism, um, uh, and so on. Um, And where people have a stated mental health condition, there is a a higher incidence of anxiety and and eating disorders, possibly as a a coping mechanism. Coping strategies, um, the the survey's telling us that students are less likely to drink or be taking drugs, but perhaps more likely to be taking other measures like controlling their eating um, as a response. Um, And the final point um, I just wanted to make was, in terms of the educational setting, students have a much stronger drive to receive face-to-face teaching uh, perhaps we're uh, a bit zoomed out and, and a, a bit tired of virtual everything.
0: Thank you very much you know I know these findings are hot off the press but I did wonder if there were any initial reflections on what you heard from uh, the other guests so uh, could I start with uh, you Sunday please uh, was there anything that you've heard that you uh, that you have sort of an immediate reaction to?
3: Well, one of the really encouraging things that has come out of this discussion is the emphasis on listening to students, um, especially, um, you know, pre-surveying and consulting incoming students or applicants. I think that's really, really important because we just have no idea. Um, You know, I didn't apply to university during a pandemic and I'm the student representative um, and I think that li- like student voice this year particularly has been so important at Exeter and I think one of the um, I don't uh, praise our senior management team on everything we, we disagree on, on some issues but I think one of the things that they've really nailed this year is listening um, to what students want And um, as a result of that, we've we've come to a lot of really amicable um, arrangements, agreements, negotiations. Um, We did have a group of students who were proposing a rent strike at the beginning of last term, um, as as there were many rent strikes across the country. Well, I spoke to the registrar about it and I said that, you you know, the best thing to do right now is to actually get the students in the room and um, listen to to what they're what they're upset about because students don't feel like they have much power at all they're not allowed out they're not allowed to do any of the sort of self-organizing or mobilization that students normally do they don't have any control and actually you know the only control that students did have last year was um whether or not they paid their rent or not so I feel that it was almost like a sort of a normal way to um to express their frustrations, even if their frustrations weren't with the standard of accommodation that they were provided. And actually, when we spoke to the students, a lot of their upset was just about the pandemic. Um, the rent strike was called off eventually because we um, set up a task and finish group to address the concerns that the students were bringing to us. Sometimes students just want to be listened to about the things that are frustrating them and know that they've been heard. So hearing that student voice is pivotal and has been important that's really really encouraging for me and great practice to be hearing
0: thank you sunday uh, uh adrian what are your thoughts on what you've uh, you heard well both from simon and sunday
1: yeah so really two two things really stood out for me in um, in the in the survey findings there that uh, so students are feeling less ready less well informed and feeling less confident about having conversations and and meeting people and I think it, you know aren't aren't these feelings that that we're all having that we can empathize with and what can we do to to provide structured opportunities? for students not only to meet one another but really to get to know one another you know is that going to be the way for us to to kind of work through this together because i think it's uh, certainly not limited to students for people to be feeling less confident about meeting strangers and
2: having conversations right now
0: wayne any further comments from you Uh,
2: much of what i've sort of noted about that survey was was spoken about mainly by sunday I, i completely agree um that, that students expect to be listened to. Um, you know, we've surveyed our students. We've checked in with them in the lockdowns on on Google Meets and things like this. And you know, they've 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 felt listened to and looked after. And I think you know the HE sector um, you know, needs to do the same, really, because these students do expect it. Ideally, face to face, if possible, really.
0: Thank you, Wayne. Um, so we've established some of the attitudes and concerns we might expect from this new new cohort. Uh, when they arrive in September, uh, and those returning indeed, and a lot of these relate to social opportunities. So, coming back to you, if I if I may, Wayne, how has the last year impacted on sixth form students? Obviously, from a social perspective,
2: it's worked in the main two ways. Um, you know, we obviously have got some students who have have lost a huge amount of of confidence, as as has been mentioned. You know, we've asked about how they've been keeping in touch with each other through the through the lockdown periods and. I was I was quite surprised by just how many gave up on it quite quickly. You know, they were fed up with FaceTimes and Zooms and the the social aspect. Um many students have been affected. You can see the 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 loss of confidence. But then, you know, that there is a, a positive to come out of this too, because you know, we've returned to schools and, and students have had, you know, two or three months back, um, and, and there's a sense of appreciation that they have. See their friends being being able to be in groups again, um, and all these things that they they didn't realise that they would missed so much.
0: Well, as Adrian said, and as you've said, you know that's it's not just limited to the student population or young people, is it? You know we we we've all uh, lost uh, a lot in terms of uh, confidence, and I couldn't agree more with your point about the fact it is great to be with family and friends again. It's made making such a difference. Um, Sunday, I'd also like to hear from you on this how much have this year's first years been impacted by specifically the social restrictions and what knock-on effects might we see in the next academic year as a result of those restrictions?
3: So there's been a huge impact on the student experience in total, not just sort of the social restrictions and I think the thing that the sector has learned is how much extracurricular activity and social experiences students perceive as part of their larger educational experience. The social impact is as fundamental a rite of passage as students developing themselves into educated adults. It's, you know, that sort of ethereal, intangible kind of interactions, you know, the passing people in corridors, the dropping into talks, that sort of thing. Everything is so structured now. We're missing the kind of sporadic, lackadaisical part of being a student. The other part of it, and I find this part fascinating, is at the moment there's a really big attack on young people politically around um, echo chambers and not branching out and not meeting other people that they disagree with and all this sort of thing. And I sit and think like, well, of course we're not meeting other people or talking to people we disagree with or exposing ourselves to other political views because we're all inside. <laughs> so yeah, I'm hoping that that criticism goes down slightly and people, people understand that, you know, students are quite broad-minded and um, open-minded and do want to um, talk to other people. But I, I will just, sorry, I feel like I'm being praising the university. I, I promise I am a crit- critical friend to them. Um, but one of the fantastic things that they did do recently was something called a Festival of Discovery. Um, And it was a weekend, a a long weekend on campus. Um, I mean, Public Health England were all over us with, you know, COVID restrictions and making sure it was safe and stuff. Um, But what they did is they were doing like science experiments, um, drama, give it a go classes, that sort of thing, sports drop-in sessions. Um, And the idea was that students could go and experience parts of the university that they hadn't before. We had over a thousand uh, pieces of feedback, which is huge. It it really helps students sort of branch out um, and and expose themselves to that sort of different subjects, different worldviews, that sort of thing.
0: That festival of discovery sounds absolutely fantastic. And uh, I could not agree with you more that the sector, I think, was surprised to learn quite to the degree how important personal sort of formation is, that it's equally as important as the academic one. And and Simon, how has this impacted on students' accommodation experience? What lessons can we take into September about the role of accommodation in the social experience?
4: Thanks, Darren. Um, I I, I think there's a a few things perhaps just thinking about young people more generally, and um, I I think there's sort of a, a, a sense of loss of missing out on these sort of rites of passage moments. So, you know, just leaving school physically, shirt writing, proms, and, and then you get into sort of taking those first steps of it, towards adult life and independence, but learning to drive, you know, not many young people have been able to to do that over the last 15 months or more, um, independent travel and go into the festivals. Most of those have been, have been cancelled. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that um, young people are missing out on. That will manifest in a number of ways. I think some young people who then become students may not have found all their boundaries they may not have um, tried some things. Uh, they may not have been tested out on some things of you know, being alone with, when you're abroad, when you, when you lose your, your, your group, maybe some financial challenges because you've run out of cash when you've been away somewhere, and maybe you know, drugs and drink and, and not, uh, not having uh, explored the boundaries there. So, so I think the, the, these are things that, that could manifest um, you know, come, come the autumn. I think for students who, who are already at university, has been a real challenge around finding their tribe, finding their friendship uh, interest groups. We we did some focus groups. Um, the, the feedback was that they'd formed smaller groups than than perhaps was normal. Some people in their friendship groups hadn't hadn't been around that much, and and I think that that will likely manifest in in further maybe disputes and challenges around house shares and flat shares come um, come the autumn. And Sunday mentioned that earlier. The other thing is that because of these missed opportunities, I think students will want to catch up and have as, as broad a social and uh, extracurricular experience as possible. I think what's really important is, is understanding that that is going to be part of their, their journey you know, in the autumn. But I, I think the key thing for me is is around this connection and community to find each other, to to meet people, find their new tribes. We can perhaps just help them to overcome some of these barriers of um, anxiety they currently have.
0: Thanks, Simon. Uh, uh, I'd like to turn to you now, Adrian, if I may. Um, Loneliness and isolation are strongly linked with poorer well-being and mental health outcomes. What might universities and accommodation providers want to think about when helping students to build uh, the communities that various people have mentioned uh, and which are so critical to a successful university experience.
1: I talk about loneliness a lot and two really quite obvious things maybe that I always like to start a conversation about loneliness with are that uh, you can be lonely in a group of people and the the most popular student in the year group can experience loneliness and I think those two facts tell us that uh, meeting people is uh, not sufficient to prevent loneliness and the, the difference really comes when we actually get to know people and allow them to get to know us so that we can feel seen for who we are and uh, and our opinions are respected and valued i really like the work of uh, gregory blimling on developing Communities, specifically in university residence halls, and there are sort of there are four recommendations from Blimling. The first is the more satisfied students are with the place where they live, the more likely they are to actually commit themselves to forming a community in that place. You know, a practical application of this in a um, student uh, residential accommodation is actually engaging students to identify goals that they want to achieve for improving the environment so whether that's through you know committees or feedback or surveys they can actually talk to one another about what they want as a community to do with the physical environment of where they where they live. Another I think key recommendation from Blimling, which you know it sounds obvious but the more time that students get to spend together the more likely it is that they'll be able to develop friendships but then we need to ensure that That those lines of communication stay open and what can we do to uh, encourage residents to have conversations that feel like they matter so that students can feel that again they've they've really expressed their views there's something as well about the size of some of our residential communities in universities, you know, a, a building housing 600, a thousand people is too big for a single community to form. And so I, th- I think it's helpful sometimes for us to look at uh, creating uh, soft boundaries within those larger accommodation blocks. And I think the last thing that Blimling talks about is that having highly restrictive policies can be really detrimental to to allowing students to commit to community. And then on the flip side of that, if there are no policies and no um, enforcement of, of good community standards, that's, that's equally unappealing to students. So maybe the question for us there is, what can we do to encourage a shared responsibility amongst the student body to develop community goals um, from, their, from their peers and then helping them to enforce those, those standards?
0: Absolutely fascinating, and I hadn't come across Gregory uh, S. Blimling before, uh, and I certainly will now. I mean, some fascinating insight there, and the elements that resonate with me about that shared responsibility and sort of community goals was was fascinating, because we've, I know at Unite Students, they've created sort of home charters, and I know many other people have done that as well, but it's how do you get buy-in? to these shared community goals and the other area that really resonated was that the sort of buildings you described 600 to 1000, you know, we do have um, a number of buildings of that size so I'm sure that the idea of smaller groups within that is something we should certainly explore. Academic uh, performance is also a, another area of uh, concern with this cohort uh, not being able, for example, to take external ex- exams during sixth form. Wayne, I just wondered what impact has this had on your students, please?
2: Um, it, it's had a significant impact, I think. Um, in, in you know, there are positives and negatives, like with like with most things. But uh, I think the first thing is imposter syndrome. Um, I think students from more deprived backgrounds, um, you know, probably have this anyway. Um, but I think this year there's just that that kind of stigma w- which is going to be attached to, uh, you know, another year group which, you know, weren't awarded their A-levels in the the, the normal way, the traditional way, uh, they didn't sit formal exams. And and I think that does have some bearing on the self-esteem of, of the students. Um, you know, what I've been very, very keen to do and and, you know again i hope the he sector is fully aware of what students have had to go through on this is just you know i would argue genuinely that what this cohort have been through in terms of rigor of of assessment has been more challenging than a a normal series of exams because you know teachers have had to adapt very very quickly to to what's been put in place Um, and i think you know what i've been surprised by just how thorough um, teachers have, have have been with regard to the assessments that they've set. But it, but it has led to the students having to go through, you know, a six, seven week period of really, really intense um, and very frequent assessments, you know, which are sort of kind of, they're smaller than examinations. You know, they haven't all been sort of three hour exams, but they, they might've been one hour, two hours, but the frequency that they've had to, to experience has been really, really challenging. I'd, don't believe that what they've achieved is anything less than, than years gone by. I think in, in many respects, it's probably, probably more because they've, they've had to be so adaptable. I think obviously, you know, in terms of knowledge gaps, because of the way things have panned out, you know, certainly at, at my school, you know, lockdown one, we, we, we weren't anywhere near as effective in our provision for students as we were in, in the lockdown January and February of this year you know, we really did improve our own practice. And I think, you know, students coming in will have, will have probably experienced that too. Students definitely have gaps in their knowledge. They they might not know all of the A-level content that, that, that they should know. And much as we, we're trying to run master classes and things like that to try and, you know, fill the knowledge gaps in, that's something that universities definitely need to be aware of. I think the positives... Are you know that that students are much more versatile than they than they've been before. You know, they've had to adapt and learn in very, very different ways. And I think on the whole, they're they're much better equipped for university. You know, they've learned a lot about themselves and how they learn best. And with screen fatigue and obviously having to send students online texts and things like this you know they've become really good at things like cornell note taking which is often quite a hard sell in sixth form Um, you know many students don't always take to that so these sorts of skills i think students are going to come to university with with them more embedded than perhaps previously so there are positives to it too
0: Thank you, Wayne. And I'm, I'm fascinated to hear uh, your comments there around the sheer rigour, around the assessment process, if you like, and the assessment practices. I have to say that uh, completely passed me by. So thank you for providing that clarity. And Adrian, could I come to you, please, and ask uh, the same question of you, if I may?
1: Yeah, you know, I agree with everything that Wayne has, has just said. And I, I wonder if the if the impact for students of the pandemic on their academic work has really been greater on their confidence and self-esteem than it has on their actual learning and their, and their ability to, to perform, with the exception that I wonder if this has widened the gap between students from lower socioeconomic backgrounds or difficult home circumstances and those who might be more privileged. Those students might have found it more difficult to, um, to study at home, to learn at home, and, um, and, and I wonder if the, the impact has been greater there.
0: Thank you, Adrian. And and Sunday, what might be some of the key messages that students need to hear in order to get the reassurance they might need?
3: Sure. So I think one of the conversations that I've been having with a lot of first year students this year is when they've sort of come to me and they've said, you know, they're scared, they're lost, they're isolated, they're alone. Um, I've often said to them, these are completely normal feelings to feel outside of a pandemic. This is how I felt at university. Everyone in the country is feeling anxious about the pandemic and its implications So, of course some of these feelings will come from that but do know that it's also normal to feel scared and it's not just lockdown that's making you feel this way everyone feels a little bit scared when they go to university um, and no one really knows exactly what they're doing. I don't even really know what I'm doing some days and I'm (laughs) the President of the Student Union. And I think the other thing is we've been really um focused on the sense of belonging this year as well and how we foster a sense of belonging for students when when they're remote learning um and it has taken me years to try and pin down what it is that makes someone feel that they belong here um and i, I just <laughs> i just keep going back to saying that you belong at Exeter if you are at Exeter, you know, it's no easy feat to get into a university, we, you know, demand incredibly um, high A levels, every university has entry requirements, um, and personal statements, and some even, you know, have interview processes or exams. Um so I think that, you know, when students are feeling um, lonely, like they don't belong, maybe imposter syndrome, um, to to tell themselves, look at the facts, look at the Is that you You got yourself into a place that has a very rigorous recruitment process. Um, and, and that means that, you know, you're here, you can do it. And if you are feeling overwhelmed, there is help. Um, you just need to ask for help. And there's no shame in doing that either.
0: Thank you very much. So we've just been hearing about the academic transition. Uh, to university, um, the transition to independent living is also always a big step for incoming students. Simon, what areas of support are accommodation teams particularly having to think about for this cohort's arrival?
4: Yeah, there's, there's a number of areas which uh, are definitely in in focus. And I, I think, returning to the point that Sunday made earlier, what, one thing that we're definitely doing is bringing the student view and the student voice into our thinking. Uh, it's so important that we understand how, they, how they're how they feeling, what their experience has been, and make the, uh, the adjustments and improvements um, to suit their views. Um, high quality, very accessible onboarding and welcome information is one area, making sure that whilst we still have some uncertainty, um, we're reducing anxiety as much as we can, providing as much certainty as possible. We're, we're looking to uh, improve support around life skills, um, whether that's cooking, finance, part-time employment, there's a, a whole range of life skills which students are, are looking for support on. Um, one of the focus groups we've run recently, topic came up around um, food hygiene. How long can I store cooked food? Uh, and it was you know such a simple thing, but I guess with students um, they're they're more cost conscious. Um, they're also perhaps batch cooking a bit more than the, than they would have done. So that was that was super important. So you know, things like that are being added to the um, to the information set. We've talked already about the need for building community swiftly connecting people um, so we, we've certainly got you know pre-arrival opportunities using the, the uchat function in our app um, we are setting up a program of welcome and orientation events um, hopefully not with um, needing to have too many covid measures uh, applied but really helping people to settle in quickly find their friendship groups um, find find their own people within the accommodation setting and the university And something we've um, put much greater emphasis on this year um, for the arrival in September is around our resident ambassador programme. And I know a number of universities run res life programmes and they'll have... um, students involved in peer to peer support and so on but we're significantly sort of ramping up the network amplifying the um, the role and the opportunities um, it's about peer to peer support but without stepping into that um, that codependence that's been mentioned and a real emphasis is say on connections events social and community building um, and something we're looking to do this year is to is to have sort of a, a resident committee approach where we can hear the student voice within each residence um, understand the views, and then then make the adjustments. Final area, I mean, there is a lot more that we're, we are working on, but we have a, a home charter or a community charter We've done some qualitative feedback on that uh, from students. They, they really liked what was put in place last year. They thought that most of the elements that were contained within that home charter were correct. Um, but they, they wanted to detune a few things, upweight a few others, which we'll respond to. They had a, a real sense, the group that we engaged with, they wanted to be good citizens and be good, good residents and have a great community um, and, and they were very keen that you know that, that the community formed and respected that, but they also wanted some help when their own sort of peer to peer intervention had run out. Um, so when you know when conflict occurred or or people were being disrespectful, so much of it's about um, about community, sense of belonging, trying to give as much certainty as possible.
0: Thank you very much. And finally, I'd like to hear from each of you, given the particular circumstances and challenges. That this incoming cohort has gone through. What's one piece of advice you'd share with any students who are due to start university in the autumn? Um, could I come to you first, please, Sunday, for, for, for your for your response to that?
3: I would say that yes, it is going to be hard, but that is because university is hard. But what is fundamentally true to everyone I've ever met is that they are smarter and stronger and braver than they think they are. Um, And that you can do hard things. You've got it in you to do hard things. I think that you're going to be fine.
0: Thank you. Uh, Adrian, what would be your one piece of advice, please? Uh,
1: To be, be kind to yourself and to everybody that you meet at your university. Lovely. Thank you. And Wayne?
2: Um, just to remember that um, you've been through far more than any other cohort has been through. You've had to overcome um, incredible difficulty, but with that has come uh, resilience and versatility. And um, university was was the best years of my life, and I, I think that they should be the best of years of your life too.
0: Thank you, Wayne and Simon.
2: I, I'm
4: afraid I've got two but um, first one uh, embrace the experience and really enjoy it um, you know time at university is is life-changing life-forming and, and just an amazing time the second piece is I would encourage everybody to seek support early and as soon as you feel you need
0: it thank you Simon um, and thanks in fact everyone for those ideas I'm afraid that that's all we have time for today but thank you so much to our guests for your time and all of your insights. To our listeners, thank you as well for listening in. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for all our latest higher education content, including the latest information and resources about our own preparations for September. Join us in July for the second part of our Preparing for September Double Bill where we will be looking at how we can use these insights to put together a successful arrival for students in September. Until then, Take care.